Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'm joined alongside Brandon Pelter. We've got a lot to get to this week. How about five of six, the Patriots taking from the Richmond Flying Squirrels, a series that we built up that was going to be a challenge, and Somerset passed with flying colors. Now they get ready for their biggest series of the season as they travel north to vacation land to take on the Portland Sea Dogs up in Maine. A lot to get into. But before we get into all of that, Brandon, most important question of the day. How are you doing? Well, a little sweaty. Uh, It's a hot one here at the ballpark as we record this podcast on the late Sunday afternoon, but uh, in really good spirits. I mean, the Patriots looked so good. We saw some really exciting debuts at the AA level this week. Oswald Peraza got red hot. Uh, It really was, uh, all in all, a very fun week at the ballpark. Well, we're going to recap all of that as the Patriots take five of six from the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! All right, Brandon, so going into this series against Richmond, the Patriots had dropped four of six against the Erie Seawolves, and there were some aspects of that series that we talked about last week that were a little concerning, uh, the home run dependency and uh, some guys that were kind of tailing off a little bit, but there were some new faces, uh, both in Oswald Peraza finishing off that Erie Seawolves series and the new pitchers, of course, this week for Somerset, which we'll get into, uh, but what a response, five of six against the Richmond Flying Squirrels. I guess uh, to start things off, what is your top line takeaway uh, from this last week for Somerset? Oh man, Uh, definitely a lot of things went right for Somerset this week. I think uh, the most exciting piece that we saw was Luke Voigt in the ballpark. Uh, He made uh, five appearances for the Patriots. A little bit of a struggle though in the first two games. He was just one for seven. Boy, those final three red hot. He drove in uh, a couple runs in each of his final three games with the Patriots. He excited the crowd and also just the energy in the ballpark this uh, this entire weekend with fireworks Friday, Saturday, sellout crowds all three days this weekend. It was such a fun environment and we talked about it a lot, Mark, but it just really feels like we're back to baseball season and everything is back to normal. Well, let, let's start with Voight. I think that's a great place to, and, and a great point that you bring up. Luke Voigt uh, making a rehab assignment here with the Somerset Patriots. Uh, it was announced a little bit before Tuesday's home opener uh, that Voigt was going to be here for the entire week, and he wound up being here the entire week, and even going back to that Tuesday night, the energy in this ballpark was a little bit different. I mean, this is a guy, Brandon, that led the major leagues in home runs last year, ranked fourth in the major leagues and runs batted in, and as exciting as it was to have Zach Britton in attendance for the couple of spot starts that he made, Voigt just brought a different energy in a different crowd with him. Absolutely. I mean, I think a position player is always a little bit different because for the pitchers, it's kind of get in and get out. Voigt, though, interacted with the fans. He loved to toss the bat. We saw that a bunch of times, even on a a pop-out to shallow left field. But uh, he just kind of brought a show with him. He showed off the personality. And 
uh, it worked well, certainly having him here. He was happy to be close to home with his newborn daughter. Congratulations to him. Um, and, uh, and all in all, made for a really fun week at the ballpark. Well, and a couple of the highlights for Luke Voigt, of course, the uh, the first home run that he hit uh, Friday night in his final at bat that night, a, a big-time solo home run in the bottom of the sixth inning. And then on uh, Saturday, he only had one plate appearance, but he made that one plate appearance count with a solo home run through the rain. That was just a, a missile that got over the left field fence. Voigt overall on the series finishes with uh, two home runs, six runs batted in, and uh, has certainly made his mark in this Somerset Patriots uh, team and, and here at TD Bank Ballpark. But Voigt, Brandon, was not the only offensive producer. I mean, he was a big-time part of this lineup and one of the main reasons why Somerset had such a successful week. But he really set the stage because he always hit leadoff. He set the stage for pretty much the rest of this lineup that we could take positives out for almost every guy in this Patriots lineup. No doubt about it. I mean, you look early in the series and the two names that jumped out were Diego Castillo and Donnie Sands. They were both on a tear. Castillo had three hits in what, back-to-back games? Sands had three or more RBI in the first three games of this series. Uh, He had four home runs over the first three games. They were huge. Oswaldo Cabrera was in the midst of a a 10-game hit streak before that wrapped up uh, after Saturday's game. So the bats really, especially in that middle of the order, certainly came to produce and in a couple blowout victories as well for Somerset. I mean, what was it? Three of the five wins were blowouts. Uh, one was uh, in 11 innings, 7-5, to five, and then this Sunday afternoon, a 4 nothing win. There was a ton of offense from the Patriots. A lot of it was from home runs, but also a good portion was just creating runs and putting together some rallies. Well, the Patriots won 10-1 to one on Tuesday night. They had 16 hits in that contest. And it wasn't just the home run ball. They did have three home runs that night. Diego Castillo went three for four with four RBI, including a home run. Donnie Sands had his second multi-home run game of the season. Uh, But you mentioned that we were nervous going into the series about the home run dependency from Somerset. Matt Pita was plugged back into the lineup. He had an RBI double Tuesday night. Oswaldo Cabrera's situational hitting really all week long. Uh, He also had a multi-home run game later in the week as well. Uh, But, you know, just to go over some of the overall numbers, for Patriots this week. Oswaldo Cabrera over six games. Uh, he hit 320 with two home runs, six RBI. Diego Castillo over six games hit 375 with one home run and seven RBI. And that's not even like really indicative of how well both of them played because Castillo was at a stretch. You mentioned it, Brandon. I think it was three hits in each of the first three games of the series. He was like nine for 13 mm-hmm. or something from the plate. And uh, just really, really impressive. And that let us kind of uh, allow Oswald Peraza to fall under yeah. the radar, right? You look at the final stats in the six-game stretch now. Peraza was 10 for 23. He hit 435. He had his first homer here at TD Bank Ballpark. Uh, drove in three runs, a double, a triple in there as well, and plays a terrific shortstop. He is always so smooth and just about always so sure-handed in the field. I'm interested to see what, what you think about Peraza's place in the batting order. Moving forward, this week, Peraza had a 519 on base percentage. That's what you want out of somebody that's going to hit at the top of the lineup. There was one game this week in which Luke Voigt was not hitting first. He was not in the lineup. But that night, Brandon, Peraza wasn't batting leadoff. It was Michael Beltre. How do you see this batting order shaking out? You know, I'm not sure. I I think that I still tend to see him in that top spot. And uh, you attribute much of his success, obviously, to his skill. But I think especially, you know, the on-base percentage with the guy that were following him 
he he had to get attacks. He had to get strikes, right? When with Oswaldo Cabrera red hot falling behind him, Castillo to start the series on fire. Donnie Sands, you didn't want to throw to in the first three games. I mean, he needed to be a guy that Richmond pitchers came right after. So he got plenty of pitches to hit. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that he had so much success this past week. But I still tend to see him in that leadoff role. I wouldn't be surprised if he bats two either, but I think he's going to stay in the top half of that lineup. And as Julio already told us uh, a couple weeks ago, he pretty much will be the everyday shortstop, save a couple DH starts and a day off here and there. Oh, he is the top position player prospect in the New York Yankees organization that is playing active professional baseball right now. Of course, there's Jason Dominguez, but he has not been placed. Uh, He is still at extended spring training down in Tampa. Uh, So offense across the board, very promising for Somerset this week. Uh, One more name I do want to bring up, Thomas Malone. Mm -hmm. We didn't expect to see Thomas Malone back in Somerset this week. He was one of the top producers for the team over the first two weeks of the season before he was transferred up to AAA Scranton-Wilkes-Barre where he performed well. Over a 320 batting average in his time up in Scranton. Uh, He comes back down here and all he does is Pick up right from where he left off. He had a home run in his first game. Uh, He has extended his on-base streak, I believe, to now nine straight. How much does Malone addition to this lineup help everything out? Well, I think it gives a little bit of a veteran presence there with Michael Beltre to a kind of younger group. We see Aaron Polensky and Matt Pita in that kind of younger bunch. And uh, Malone really just provides a sturdy hand in there, somebody who's been through the minors and uh, who clearly is having a ton of success right now. Somerset as a whole, a 293 batting average over this six-game series against Richmond. 13 home runs, 41 RBI. They continued to produce with home runs early in ball games as well. Now 18 home runs for Somerset in the first inning of games this season. But Brandon, we also have to talk about the pitching. And right now we record this podcast after Sunday's game. So we're going to start with the only starting pitcher that worked two different starts in this series uh, because the start that he had on Tuesday night was one of his best of the season. Followed it up. It's Glenn Otto. 14 strikeouts Tuesday night. Six shutout innings uh, here on Sunday. What did you see from the righty? Well, he twirled some really good baseball, and he kind of did it in two different fashions. First game of the series, 14 strikeouts, just given up a run in seven innings of work, and then here this Sunday afternoon, he only struck out five but did not allow a run on three hits in six inning of of work. What are the uh, common themes there? Not a lot of hits, not a lot of runs, and he's giving the Patriots really good depth. And I think this was a huge outing for him where he didn't necessarily have the strikeout stuff, but he did not get lost in walking guys and trying to dodge that contact. He kind of admitted it a couple weeks ago. Sometimes he wants the strikeout so much that he tries to be too particular and a little too fine, and he kind of gets himself into trouble. We didn't see this that this afternoon, and uh, he really dodged dominated this Richmond Flying Squirrels team not once but twice and we've heard so many pitchers talk about how hard that is to do and uh, what this six game series has kind of presented in that sense. Glenn Otto entering Sunday's contest had the second most strikeouts of any pitcher in all of minor league baseball. He had the most among all double A pitchers. He was only eight behind Cade Cavalli, a top prospect in the Washington Nationals organization. Uh, Otto wound up striking out what five on uh, Sunday afternoon so he's still a little shy of Cavalli but still the second most strikeouts of any pitcher uh, in all of minor league baseball. We would be remiss if we did not mention in the first block of this uh, podcast that Somerset had 15 
15 transactions before Tuesday's game. And Brandon, on last week's podcast, we talked about three specific pitchers that we had a feeling might be making their way over to Somerset. And Luis Medina, Ken Waldachuk, and Hayden Wisniewski from the Hudson Valley Renegades. We did not anticipate that there would be 15 total transactions. Uh, but specifically for those three starting pitchers, let's start with Luis Medina, who I believe both of us were very impressed by. What did you see out of him? Well, you know, all three pitchers had a little bit of a hiccup in the first, and that's not, you know, something that is too, too surprising because the jump up from high to double A is a pretty significant jump at that. But uh, for Medina, all, all three walked the first batter they faced. For Medina, though, he really seemed to settle into a groove, and he seemed like, from a, a, a sense of the pitches that he has and the stuff that he has, seems like one of the most complete pitchers we've seen all season long, touching 100, 101 on the gun with the fastball, has some really good breaking balls, stuff in there as well and a change up he plays all of his pitchers uh, pitches together and they really are all either average or above average just really good stuff from Medina able to go five and two-thirds he allowed three runs one of them was kind of on a misplayed ball that wasn't ruled an error uh, and then I believe it was two solo homers uh, late in the uh, late in the inning uh, or rather it was uh, just kind of two RBIs nothing really hit all too hard um the two came after he left the game. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, and so for Medina, really impressive showing. The line very easily could have been five and two-thirds, only allowing one run. And he had the strikeout stuff. Ten Ks for him. Then we got Ken Waldachuk, who uh, from the get-go, a, a big struggle in terms of control and walks. He walked four in that first frame. He loaded up the bases and walked in a run, but then he really settled in. Uh, over the next two innings, did not allow a hit. Uh, he did allow two solo homers to lead off the fourth and the fifth, but uh, three runs on his final line through four and two-thirds. I mean, certainly a lot to build off. And finally for Hayden Wisniewski, that was uh, a little more of a difficult outing for him. Uh, you got a little bit of length after he gave up three runs in the first, got four innings, but he did give up a seven runs in total he really you know again first start at double a big jump up uh in terms of uh what you're going to see at this level in talent so expect to see a lot of adjustments made from those three going forward well, with uh, with Waldachuk, he had uh, famously come into his uh, first start here in Somerset with 30 and two-thirds consecutive innings without allowing a run to start the season with the high-A Hudson Valley Renegades. Unfortunately, that came to a conclusion for him in that first inning, but still a lot of promising notes from Waldachuk. And, and I circle back to Luis Medina. You know, we talked about it the, the night of Medina's performance, Brandon, but, um, you know, with... Somerset, they've had a lot of strong starting pitchers this year. A lot of guys have had a lot of success, whether it's Otto's 14 strikeouts, whether it's J.P. Sears working as a starter coming out of the pen. Luis Heal had some electrifying stuff to begin the season as well. But in my estimation, just from a pure stuff standpoint, I walked away from Medina's start and what he did on the mound here, he just felt different. Mm -hmm. he, he, he just, the, the, the fastball was touching consistently at least triple digits. Uh, we know that Heel has the ability to do that as well, but the combination of the fastball, he has a plus curveball when he's able to locate that. He's got a solid changeup as well, and just the aura about him just felt like it was we were watching a different pitcher when Medina was on the mound. Yeah, no doubt about that. And he brought a lot of confidence into the outing as well. Even through the, the walk in the first frame, um, he just really found himself pretty quickly in the outing. And that's hard to do for a guy making their first start at the double-A level. 
So Medina impresses all three new Patriots pitchers, uh, certainly show uh, at least flashes of what they could bring to the table here for Somerset moving forward. Uh, in addition to that, there were other transactions that were made. Matt Pita was activated off the seven-day um, injured list, uh, and he contributed this week for Somerset offensively. And then back to the pitching staff, Addison Russ, uh, a pitcher coming down from AAA who uh, had a standout all-star season at the AA level in this league in 2019 as a member of the Reading Fight and Phils. Uh, He's now a part of this Patriots uh, bullpen. He performed well with two shutout appearances. Zach Green, a, uh, a star reliever for the Hudson Valley Renegades this year. He's now a part of this Patriots bullpen and made two uh, relief appearances, including earning a win uh, as well. So he's a part of this bullpen. And Nick Green, a starting pitcher from the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, also making his way uh, here to Somerset. So in total, six new pitchers joining this Somerset Patriots squad. Uh, the guys going up to, tri- to uh, AAA scranton Wilkesbury, Luis Heal, Matt Crook, and Greg Weiser. We wish nothing but the best for those guys. Reed Anderson, uh, Oliver Dunn, Sean Semple, Jeffrey Valdez, uh, all and uh, Carlos Espinal all sent down to uh, high A Hudson Valley, but I would imagine uh, a number of times throughout the rest of the season, there's a, there's a good chance that we'll see some of those guys back here as well. Overall for the Patriots in this week, they take four, uh, rather five of six from the Richmond Flying Squirrels and uh, now entering a big series against Portland next week, which we'll get to in a moment. Somerset is 13 games above 500, uh, tied for their highest watermark of the season, but a big series upcoming, which we preview next on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. And welcome back to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. And Brandon, it's now time to preview what we've already billed as the biggest series of the season. Somerset is driving north. They're going to take on the Portland Sea Dogs, currently the number two team in the Northeast Division, just in terms of uh, standings. Uh, they enter this series 24-17. and 17. The Patriots are 27-14. and 14. Uh, Somerset currently, with Bowie losing uh, on Sunday as well, uh, the Patriots are just a half game behind the Bowie Bay Sox for the best overall record in the AA Northeast League. But we're going to zero in on the Northeast Division. This is a series, Brandon, that we've been looking at now for quite some time, and it's the third series in this stretch between Erie, Richmond, and now Portland that we really build as an opportunity to see the real makeup of this Patriots team. Erie wasn't great for Somerset. Richmond was very strong. 
And now we look at a Portland team that has lost their last ball game, but they had won at 1.4 in a row coming off of a series against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Uh, what are a couple of things, at least for the Sea uh, Dogs, that stand out to you at your first glance? Well, just kind of looking at the uh, AA Northeast standings, the biggest thing that jumps out, which is kind of interesting, the run differential for Portland. They're at minus four. They're the only team with uh, with the top, what is it, four now, t- top five records in the league that has a negative run differential doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot I guess if anything it just means that they're winning some close ball games and they've gotten blown out here and there Uh, but that's pretty interesting that uh, that they have that and uh, as you said Mark this series has so much importance just three games between these teams they really separated themselves from the get-go in this 2021 season to take those top ranks and even for the Patriots as we saw them falter you know a couple weeks on the road in Manchester against the Fisher Cats dropping four of six they dropped four of six at Erie they've won so many ball games early on and then you know the series that they are winning they're taken plenty of games like we just saw them take five of six against the uh, Richmond Flying Squirrels. For Portland, uh, they do have some big names, and the headliner really is uh, Tristan Casas, a consensus top prospect for the Red Sox with both Baseball America and, and MLB Pipeline. Yeah, Casas is uh, is certainly somebody that stands out. Before we get into Casas, something else that's really jumping off the page for me, Brandon, I'm looking at the schedule for the Portland Sea Dogs, and we had mentioned in uh, in our last conversation that you know maybe the Patriots at the beginning of the season, uh, their opponents that they were going up against might not really be indicative of how strong of a team they might be because we had you know look week one against Harrisburg, they've been a struggling team so far this season, and then on the road against New Hampshire. Hampshire, Hartford coming back home against New Hampshire and Reading. Uh, so really before that Erie Seawolves series, the Patriots had only played teams that were under 500. I believe going into that series, the uh, the combined record of teams Somerset went up against was like 50 games below 500. I'm looking at the Portland Sea Dogs schedule right now, Brandon. And we know that they don't play as balanced of a schedule as the Patriots do because they're all the way up in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. so they don't travel to play every other team in the league. Of course, Somerset uh, plays every team aside from one. That's Binghamton. But the opponents that I'm looking at for, for Portland... They opened up against the Fisher Cats, and then they uh, traveled on the road to play six against the Hartford Yard Goats, six more against New Hampshire, then returned home to play Hartford, then went on the road for Harrisburg, home against New Hampshire, and they just finished up a series on the road against Binghamton. They haven't played a team that's above 500 yet this season either. No, and it's uh, it's kind of strange how that all works out, right? I mean, at least for the Patriots, they played against the Erie Seawolves team. We saw them here against Richmond, who, uh, who certainly had an above 500 record. Record coming into the season, and they finish it above 500, although dropping five games. I think they're only a game above, something like that. But uh, that is really interesting. I mean, Hartford has really struggled 13 and 29, Binghamton 12 and 28. Those are the bottom two teams in the uh, Northeast Division. And then they played the uh, bottom two team, or rather, the bottom team in the Southwest in Harrisburg as well. So all of the teams uh, that they've played this season below 500, I mean, That'll be for them. We've talked about it and stressed how they can prove themselves. Portland also really has a pretty tall task ahead of them to to show that they do belong in the top of the uh, Northeast Division. Well, I'm looking at the Portland Sea Dogs schedule for the rest of the season. There's only two series this year as it's currently constructed that they play against teams that have an above 500 record. Those two series are against the Somerset Patriots. 
home against the Patriots beginning this coming Tuesday, on the road against Somerset. Uh, that coming, uh, what is it, later in the season, they travel down here August 10th through 15th. Aside from that, the only other teams they play Hartford a couple more times, Reading a couple of times, Harrisburg uh, and New Hampshire, and Binghamton again, uh, two more times against Binghamton. So this is a Sea Dogs team that really isn't going to be challenged too much this year. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we think of the playoffs and, and that potential top team in, e- in uh, each division moving on to a championship round, how that might be a little skewed and a little unfair, and you really might not be getting the top two teams. That's a prime example. But I think at the end of the day, we're happy to be playing baseball this 2021 season. I mean, you even go, what, three, four months ago, and that certainly was not a certainty that we would be playing baseball at this point. So we're really happy to be playing. Um, We're happy that the majors are going off with a hitch, and we're just, uh, you know, we just want to get games in and have players develop and move up the ranks. Yeah, as Bill Parcells used to say, you could only beat who's on your schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the Portland Sea Dogs, they could only beat who's on their schedule. But I do think it provides some interesting insight as to, uh, you know, how this series shakes out and and what kind of composition this Portland Sea Dogs team has. Looking specifically at some of the players on their roster, uh, the main one, Tristan Casas, again, the uh, consensus number one ranked uh, prospect in the, the the Boston Red Sox organization. Uh, they've had a couple of other guys that have uh, made big-time contributions to the team. Johan Miesis uh, had 11 home runs earlier this season. He's no longer with the squad. He was called up to the AAA Woo Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of other top prospects that are currently with the squad. Uh, we're looking at Ronaldo Hernandez, the number 11-ranked prospect uh, in the Red Sox organization. He's a 23-year-old catcher. Uh, scrolling a little bit further down their, uh, their top list, Jason Rosario is a 21-year-old outfield number 22 on their prospect list. Hudson Potts, an infielder, 22 years old as well. He's the number 24 prospect in the Boston Red Sox organization. Uh, all of those guys are on the uh, position player side for Portland. And, uh, you know, there's been some names going in and out on the uh, on the pitcher side, uh, looking at Andrew Politi. Uh, he is a uh, number 27 ranked prospect in the Red Sox organization, but uh, not too much standing out. What, what, what have you discovered about the Sea Dog squad? Well, just one more name that I want to throw in the bunch. It's uh, Tate Matheny, who began the season with the Woo Sox, and now he's come down to the double-A level. He's uh, playing really well in 10 games, hitting 324. His dad is a uh, big league skipper, Mike Matheny. Well, how about that? And we had a Matheny that was uh, That's playing right. for Richmond. Shane Matheny, no, no uh, relation, though. Well, just looking at uh, how those top prospects for Portland have produced so far this year, Casas is a uh, 287 batter, four home runs, 21 runs batted in. Hernandez hitting just 215 over 31 games, uh, six home runs, only eight RBI. Uh, he struck out 28 times. And then, uh, you know, Miesis was a big part of this Portland Sea Dog squad earlier this season. He's left and uh, leaving behind, in terms of the power department, uh, the main contributor. And uh, he's put together a a very fine season in his own right is Joey Manessis. And uh, he's got a 302 batting average over his first uh, 38 games, seven home runs, 36 runs batted in. That gets him towards the top of the double eight Northeast league. So uh, Manessis, 
seems to be that middle of the order bat that Somerset's going to have to look out for. And, uh, you know, he's been around the block a, a number of times. Uh, his first couple of seasons at the double-A level came back in 2016 and 2017. And, uh, you know, overall for Manessas, he hasn't quite gotten to the major league level, uh, but he uh, did not play in 2019 or 2020. He was a triple-A guy hitting 311 with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs uh, over 130 games in 2018 with 23 home runs and 82 RBI. So Manessas certainly somebody to look out for. And, and you know, looking at the league leaderboard uh, for the uh, the double-A Northeast League and sort of seeing where the Patriots stack up in that leaderboard along with Manessis as well. Uh, looking at that batting average, Manessis not quite in that top 10, but uh, 36 runs batted in, second most in all of the double-A Northeast League. So certainly a guy to, uh, to watch out for there. The Patriots and the Sea Dogs will have a six-game series up in Portland at Hadlock Field, an old-school field. Uh, I've heard great things about the city of Portland. Uh, it's right on the water. You could get some uh, some lobster. So any Patriots fans that want to drive up there, uh, certainly a, a worthwhile trip to make it up there for this uh, this big six-game series. Each game this week will be a 6 p.m. first pitch. So everyone... I know that you all have in your calendars, on your phones, reminders of when the Patriots have a first pitch on the road. We'll update those calendars uh, because it'll be 6 p.m. first pitches Tuesday through Saturday. And then the series wraps up with a 1 p.m. first pitch on Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. Be sure to follow the Patriots uh, all week long for this big-time series in the AA Northeast League. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennolgolf.com to book a tee time today. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter. We've already talked about Somerset's last series against the Richmond Flying Squirrels. We've previewed the upcoming series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Now let's take another look around the rest of the New York Yankees organization. I know a lot of eyes for Yankee fans are on the prospects because the Bronx Bombers have struggled a little bit as of late, uh, though they had a big win on uh, Sunday, finishing off in a game-ending walk-off 5-4-3 triple play, their second triple play of the week. You don't really see that too often. But for today's conversation, last week we kind of zeroed in on uh, specifically three players for the Hudson Valley Renegades. This week we want to look at a couple more players a little bit further down in the system with the low-A 
Tampa Tarpons uh, because there's a couple of guys there that have had really strong stretches, including one New Jersey native. I know a lot of fans I've talked to them are interested in this guy. It's Anthony Volpe, a New Jersey guy, played his high school ball at Del Barton just outside of Morristown. And uh, so far, Brandon, uh, down with the Tampa Tarpons, Volpe has put on a show. He's been lighting it up. He's hitting 301 on the season, eight homers. Two of them came on Saturday night, including the walk-off winner for the Tampa Tarpons. We've talked so much throughout the season, both uh, during the broadcasts and on the podcast as well, Mark. A lot of the position player strength in the Yankees organization tends to be a bit younger. We were really excited to get Oswald Peraza this season, and that kind of got the merry-go-round going with Josh Smith getting the call-up from Tampa to high Hudson Valley. But there's still a really good core down there in Tampa with Trevor Hover, Austin Wells, and it seems like, you know, when you look at the numbers, Volpe is really leading the way. He's got those uh, eight homers, 15 doubles of his 46 hits, three triples, and 36 runs batted in. Yeah, at the top of the Southeast League leaderboards, Volpe leads the league in home runs. He leads the league with 36 runs batted in as well. Uh, Second in the league in doubles, but he leads the league in hits at 46. Uh, He's top 10 in OPS. He's top 10 in slugging. He leads the league in extra base hits. He leads the league in in, uh, total bases, and uh, he also leads the league in runs. So uh, Volpe, another infielder that has a lot of promise. We've got a promising infielder here in Oswald Peraza, and uh, we're starting to see, you know, with this Yankee organization, Uh, going into the year, we knew that there was a lot of young guys that had high ceilings and we're starting now, Brandon, to see some of them realized. Another young player in another position of depth is the catcher position Mm -hmm. and Austin Wells, you know, he's right there along the leaderboards with with Volpe in the Southeast League as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to look past this season, but it's one of those fun games that we can start to play now that we kind of know the pipeline that's going to come to Somerset. There are certainly no guarantees and so many unknowns going forward, but boy, maybe even as soon as next year, could you imagine a team comprised of Volpe, Haver, Wells, maybe even a Dominguez late next year? There could, if Peraza hangs around, if he's not already at the AAA level by that point, there could be so much talent. We were so excited this year for what we were getting out of the pitching staff, and they've really lived up to it. But with the position players as well kind of coming right behind them, boy... If I were a Patriots fan in this uh, in this area right now, I'd be locking in my season tickets for like the next 10 years because there are going to be a lot of huge names coming through. And then you add in, like we saw this past week, a couple rehab stints in there working in the mix. There's a, a bright future ahead for the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want evidence of that, look at some of the runs and the games that Tampa's putting up down there in the low-A Southeast League. It's been uh, tremendous what they've been able to do. We can take a deeper look at low a tre- uh, at low a Tampa as well as taking a look at high a Hudson Valley and triple uh, a Scranton Wilkes-Barre because we have our organizational reports from the rest of the broadcasters around the Yankees organization so let's check in with the rest of the affiliates with this look at the Tampa Tarpons I'm Joe Vasile. the Tarpons had a matchup with the Bradenton Marauders this week Bradenton coming in in second place in the low a southeast west division it's been a great series Tampa, though, has lost three out of the first five and heads into a matchup on Sunday looking to avoid its first series loss of the season. 
Anthony Volpe has continued his hot hitting for the Tarpons this week, hitting 438 on the series with Bradenton, including a massive 3-for-5 performance on Saturday. Volpe had a triple and two home runs to go along with four RBIs to pace Tampa in a 7-6 victory. Overall, Anthony Volpe is working on a 15-game hitting streak dating back to June 2nd. Tampa completes its series with Bradenton with Clay Aguilar going to the mound at Steinbrenner Field. After the day off on Monday, Tampa hits the road for six games with the Lakeland Flying Tigers this week, beginning on Tuesday night. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Renegades came home for the first time in the month of June to host the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. New faces began dotting the landscape as Ken Waldachuk, Luis Medina, and Hayden Wisniewski were among those departing. Tuesday's opener saw the Gades down 4 nothing before tying it in the 6th and walking it off in the ninth. And a drive to deep left! Turn around and watch it! And say goodnight! The ball game's over! Josh Bro has the power. And he hits a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. Says something to Zabala, and this ball game is over. The Renegades win 6-5. Ah, just players being players. The Claws took Wednesday's game 6-4, though Josh Bro stayed hot with four hits and had a chance to win it in the ninth. On Thursday, the Gades twirled a three-hitter on back of newcomer Sean Semple, who went six and struck out 11. The Gades won 3-2. Oliver Dunn homered in the win. The team split a doubleheader on Friday with Jersey Shore grabbing the opener 6-2 before Jeffrey Valdez, another newcomer, along with Matt Minnick and Justin Wilson, pitched a four-hit shutout to win 2-0. Friday was also the official reopening of Dutchess Stadium and fireworks lit the sky following the second game. On Saturday, Hudson Valley scored five times in the sixth and once in the seventh, powered by back-to-back home runs from James Nelson. And Potter fires and a high fly ball to left. Turning and looking as Stoby. The Renegades take the lead on a two-run homer by James Nelson. And Oliver Dunn and Potter's pitch. And he drives one to right. Turning his green wall. Say goodbye. To win 8-4. The teams finish the series on Sunday before Wilmington arrives at Dutchess Stadium. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Scranton Wilkesbury got rained out on Saturday night, trying to pick up its fifth straight win in a series against the Syracuse Mets. The Rail Riders have actually won six straight, dating back to a win last Saturday in Trenton against the Buffalo Bisons. This winning streak, marked by a couple of impressive pitching performances, but also notable because of several come-from-behind wins. Scranton Wilkesbury overcame a 5-0 deficit in the series opener against Syracuse on Tuesday for a 12-6 win. On Wednesday, the Rail Riders picked up their first walk-off win of the season. The game was 2-2 after 1, 6-5 after 5, 7-6 Syracuse after 6. The Rail Riders tied it up in the bottom half of the ninth inning and then won it on a Rob Brantley walk-off home run. Diaz looks at Florial now the pitch home. Brantley hits it high in the air towards right field. Pueyo going back, warning track, wall, a walk-off three-run homer for Rob Brantley. The Rail Riders win it 10-7. A base hit wins it. A three-run homer puts it to sleep. Scranton Wilkesbury, its first walk-off win of the year, and it happens on a Rob Brantley home run. Afterwards, Brantley talked to local media about that walk-off home run feeling. It's hard to to compare 
anything, you know, when you get like that in a situation where the game's on the line and you get to do something like that, it's, it's hard to really compare that type of feeling, you know, for, especially for the players, you know, that love the game and stuff like that. Those are moments, you know, that you, you know, you think about, like, that's what you want to do in those situations. And, you know, so yeah, it's a pretty special moment. A 4-2 victory Thursday and a 7-5 come from behind win on Friday night. The Rail Riders have Davey Garcia on the mound on Sunday looking for a five-game series sweep. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Well, it seems like everything is going pretty well uh, around the farm, and uh, I know that gets Yankee fans very excited because there are some uh, high-ceiling guys in this Yankee organization and, and certainly a lot to get excited about moving forward. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Hey, welcome back here to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in this week. The uh, Patriots, of course, wrapping up that uh, series against the Richmond Flying Squirrels, winning five of six and a big series upcoming against the Portland Sea Dogs. You're going to want to make sure that you are logged into our social media accounts. A lot of content coming your way, not only from the uh, last week here in Somerset, uh, but fortunately, uh, myself, I will be on the road with the team for the first time this season. Uh, so I'll be covering the team in Portland. Uh, of course, all of our radio broadcasts on the Voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC uh, will be covered in person for the first time, so it should be a lot of fun uh, to follow along all uh, all week long. Again, a reminder that if you are listening to this podcast on Apple, uh, be sure to give us a, a five-star rating. Uh, it certainly does go a long way to, uh, to help us out. The Patriots are now going to be on the road for 12 consecutive games. It is their final 12-game road trip of the 2021 season. It's a big one. They return home on July 6th to open up a six-game series against the Erie Seawolves, a team that right now is comprised of Spencer Torkelson, the number one overall draft pick in the 2020 draft. He's a number three prospect in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, they've got Dylan Dingler, a top 10 prospect in the Detroit Tigers organization. They've got Riley Green right now, who is a, a top 10 prospect in all of baseball as well. So a lot of talent on that Erie Seawolves squad uh, that will be rolling through here to TD Bank Ballpark. There are tickets available, so be sure to go to SomersetPatriots.com and get your tickets uh, as we return home. That first game, Tuesday, July 6th, that'll be our 4th of July fireworks celebration of course, a couple of days after Independence Day, but you're not going to want to miss out on, uh, on that celebration. A lot going on here at the ballpark. Uh, make sure you are here for that. But for the time being, again, thank you so much for tuning into this week's uh, episode and enjoy the next two weeks on the road of Somerset Patriots baseball. 
thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.